We have um, about an hour and 45 minutes. And to this point, there are less questions than often there are, which uh, gives us more time to consider and respond to the questions that I already have. If time remains, we are fully open to just some live questions submitted. If we have that time and we let you know about this, just raise your hand and someone will translate the language that you speak in and then we'll devote some time to that. Now, I just want to share something very simple at the beginning. Many years ago, in my semi-annual visit to the Russian-speaking world, mainly for the Responsible Brothers training, I was asked by some co-workers to have a meeting. First, it was with a limited number of sisters, mainly the wives of the co-workers and some serving ones. And that was, from the beginning, a question and response time. Often I gave a brief opening word, but I say question and response rather than question and answer because I don't have answers for most questions. God has them, and sometimes he's quiet about them, and sometimes he shows us something from the word. And so in the way of fellowship, I respond to matters that are not doctrinal questions. And then this meeting continued, and eventually it was open to any sisters who wanted to come. And then in other places, the brothers requested such meetings. But this is the only interaction I have with sisters. I want to make something clear. This is a personal view. I do not participate in any conferences for sisters. And I will not. And I do not participate in any trainings for sisters. If others have the leading to do it, that's between them and the Lord. But for me personally, I have to closely follow Brother Lee's pattern. And he would have occasional meetings with churches. So I personally, your brother, have this kind of peace to have a meeting like this. And I want to emphasize it's question and response. And my responses, please do not take them as governing words from the throne in the universe. Uh, this is a man speaking, your brother speaking, in the fellowship of the body. On the one hand, you need to receive the fellowship. On the other hand, you need to exercise discernment and consider the things that are significant to you with the Lord. Check everything by the word. 
by the ministry, then I feel comfortable just opening and sharing some matters in the way of fellowship. And there's no way I can stop what anyone else says. But I would request that you don't go around saying, Brother Ron says, Brother Ron says, what Brother Ron says is not something definitive. Rather, if you would just say in some fellowship, this was presented, that's it. So now I'll just go down the line of the questions. I'm reading them off my iPad, which goes light and dark. So if I have to tap it again, just give me a couple seconds. And I want to say one other thing. A matter I've been learning uh, in various ways for decades. According to 1 John, we have this verse concerning God. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Then in verse 7, John says, if we walk in the light, that means if we are living in God as the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from every sin spontaneously. And so... I, I, I very much stand against so-called fellowship. That's political talk, man-pleasing talk, diplomatic talk. We must be in the light, in a spirit of fellowship, and be transparent and genuine and honest and faithful. And as I'm even sharing these words, I'm looking to the Lord, both on the throne and in my spirit, that this will be the spirit and atmosphere of my time with you. So when we address certain matters in faithfulness, in truthfulness, in genuineness, sometimes we have to speak directly not rebuking not judging not demanding mm -hmm. but directly yeah. and i have the sense that this will come forth to some extent during our time together so here we are with the first question And the question is, I am a sister living in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. And I would like to send the following question. How can we know that we really know the body? What are some indications? Is this knowing a gradual process? How can we know that we are living in the reality of the body? So 
I begin this way. How do you know that you are a woman and not a little girl? How do you know that? Uh, Did you read a book? Did you take a class? Did you hear a lecture? Uh, Did you attend a seminar? On Oh, I'm going to attend a seminar. How to be sure that I am a woman. Your whole being tells you this. And everyone around you confirms this. That if you reflect upon your personal history, you are aware of all kinds of changes that have taken place in you, all kinds of developments. What you have learned, what you have experienced. And without trying anything, you're just now aware. I'm a woman. I'm a young woman. A middle-aged woman, an elderly woman. So this kind of knowing is organic. It is related to our development in life. And so if we don't, if we're not sure that we know the body, then that's an indicator that we don't yet. So we need to go on with this question. What are some indications? Okay, this is a very good question. One indication is you realize that you are a member of something much greater than you. And that being a member is different from being a believer or from being a child of God. What do I mean? A believer is a complete unit. Brother, sister so-and-so and his wife, they are believers. They're that kind of person. And the spirit witnesses that we are children of God. And a child of God, just like a human child, is a person. And so when we realize we are believers or children of God, I wouldn't say that's individualistic, but it is an individual matter. You do not have the awareness, I'm a part of something. I am not complete in myself. But when we truly come to know the body, we realize, yes, I'm a believer. Yes, I am a child of God. But also I am a member. I am a part of an organism. And I cannot live without this. I cannot be individualistic. I cannot be independent. I am totally dependent on Christ and his body. This sense is an indicator. And also, another indicator is that you have an increasing appreciation for all the other members. 
and their functions, their portions. And there's no envy, there's no rivalry, there's no jealousy. You don't compare yourself with them. Oh, why can't I do this and why can I be that? Well, you're a toe. Why are you trying to hear something? But what the ear hears will be transmitted to you. Then another is that knowing, this knowing is a gradual process. Yes, it is. And so the process includes experiencing the cross, dealing with the flesh, the natural, uh, the, the self and the natural constitution, and the discipline of the Holy Spirit dealing with our human spirit and breaking our outer man. Then gradually something emerges in our consciousness. We become aware. I don't remember the time when I realized I'm, I'm no longer thinking of myself as a boy. I'm this age now, and how it got that way, I don't know. I just know. I look back when I was 17, I couldn't say this, but now I can. And so, because it's an organic matter, it is gradual. How can we know that we are living in the reality of the body? Well, your inner being will tell you. If you are at peace with the entire body, that would be an indicator. But you would just have the sense that this is your inner being and it's the inner sense of the spirit that will give you this assurance. Okay, now here's a question. Uh, in some localities, the sisters really see the importance of their homes being opened for the practice of the church life and building up of the body of Christ. If there are very few truly open homes, especially after this pandemic, how can we be helped to open our homes to the saints and gospel contacts. So this is truly a response. You know, I'm learning this just like you are learning this. We've all been in the same situation. But certain factors are these. One is the, uh, the condition of this whole matter where you are living. This around you in society, in your city, in your part of the country, what is the overall situation? And what directions are being given by the government? And then also, having meetings in our home is an aspect of the church life. And the church is not an organization. But in the church, there is an administration. And so we need to respect and honor the leading and decisions of the elders and or the leading brothers concerning how we should carry out 
various kinds of meetings and gatherings presently where we are. And so a year, what in around late March last year, then the dear faithful elder brothers in Anaheim, they just announced to the whole church that we're not able to meet in the meeting hall. Uh, we need to meet over, you know, electronically on Zoom. And there should not be district meetings and there should not be group meetings in homes. And so we simply honor that and obey that. We receive this from the Lord through the brothers. But this was not enforced in the way of legality, like there were brother policemen roaming around, checking out to see, is anyone in your home? Did you have anyone over your house for dinner? If they did that, my wife and I would be in the church prison. Not, not that one day after they made the announcement, but at a certain time, in a limited way, we had some people over. And eventually, the brothers said, where we are now, uh, you have the group meetings as you have the leading to do. And I respected this so much that we just trust you. And, and so the, there's no list of those who got vaccinated, those who didn't. There were those who had the virus but recovered and now have antibiotics. And so having our homes open in this context depends mainly on these two things. And we should honor uh, the government to the extent to which we can. In the United States, I don't know what the government is saying. They're going back and forth, in and out, day and night, right and wrong, yes and no. You know, the governor says, you know, don't go out anywhere to eat in a restaurant. Then he himself goes without a mask. But I just trust and respect the leading of the brothers as they are aware of the situation of what the government is advising or directing and how the Lord is leading. And then once the limitations are limited, are released, and they will be, then uh, we should simply, as we have the lead, we have the ability, we should just open homes. But I think in this matter, and maybe I'm I'm off, and I say that sincerely, I may be. The best way to encourage others is just to be a pattern. We're not here telling others what to do in their home, criticizing them, why don't you open your home? Then you quote something from a brotherly's message. This is religious condemnation. We we just do what we do as the Lord leads us, 
So now there are the home gatherings. And my wife and I, on a regular basis, we don't have like a meeting. We have a few saints over, have a healthy meal, and hours of wonderful prayer and fellowship. Okay. Now it's in this next question is when um, I want to be careful, not outwardly, but inwardly. Because I need to respond in quite a full way to this next question, which seems so simple. A question that troubles many sisters. And so this is question R1, meaning Russian language one question. So it's somewhere among the the Slava Gospadu sisters, okay? Daily we pray concerning the needs from the website Word of Prayer, the Russian equivalent of beseeching.org. May we apply the precious blood of Jesus Christ to other saints for those we pray for or only to ourselves. Now, I don't, I don't know anything at all about the content of word of prayer. I have nothing to say about it. But I want to share a few things about beseeching dot com uh, dot org because the sisters view this as concerning the needs concerning the needs and so some are actually taking this either instead of or much more often along with and like holy word for morning revival And a little over a year ago, there was some fellowship about needing intercessory prayer over the situation we're in. And we agreed to have this for a limited period of time. But then some dear brothers, faithful brothers, continued to have this. And so every day there's something that's called a beseeching, which is a particular kind of prayer. And we should realize that does not represent the leading of the co-workers or the direction of the ministry. I'm not saying it's wrong. No. But please don't take it as the trumpet, this is, this is the need. I think that's sufficient. But if you check into it every day, then just bring the matter to the Lord and read what is there if you like. There's no regulation here. But please don't take this as a standard that we should be praying for this. Now I want to respond to the particular question, then I'll come back for just a few minutes to the matter of prayer. 
and uh, just to kind of perk your interest, I want to share my concern about prayers that are not prayers. Where did I learn that from? Where do you think? Not directly from the Lord, from Brother Watchman Nee, from Brother Witness Lee. And so may we apply the precious blood of Jesus Christ to other saints for those we pray for or only to ourselves. Okay, sister, be ready. Nowhere in the New Testament are we told to apply the blood. We're not saying it's wrong. Don't read more into what I'm saying. You cannot show me a verse. But there are verses like the one in Romans 3. We have faith in his blood. We have verses like in Hebrews. With boldness through the blood of Jesus, we enter into the Holy of Holies. In First John, I already mentioned, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, one prayer I've had literally thousands of times, I personally need this to pray, Lord, I ask you to apply the effectiveness of your blood to me according to your understanding and its power and its efficacy. But I don't make that a legality in my praying. But I just cannot live without the realization that the blood is cleansing me and if I have had a failure, here is it. We have to call it what it is, a sin. We confess, God forgives, and the blood cleanses. But you may want to pray for yourself and for others, Lord, as we're praying, cover us with your blood. Protect us, cleanse us. And you may pray for the one that you are praying. Lord, just protect them, keep them. But there's no need at all to try to apply. But there is a proper concern, a real concern in the question. You want your prayer to be a benefit. You want the one you're praying for to be protected, to be guarded from the enemy. Now just some brief fellowship. <clears throat> Concerning prayer. And uh, I illustrate again. And I deliberately check into beseeching.org every day. The Father was there. And I just had the sense, and I reviewed some of the ministry from Brother Lee on this and some of his prayers. Prayers do not originate here with the mind and prayers do not originate with our feeling 
But in almost every prayer meeting, there's that kind of prayer hindering the prayer ministry of the church. Composing a prayer. Having a feeling about a matter. So that feeling must be from the Lord. Maybe not. Maybe it is. And so I believe, honestly, I say this boldly, I believe every saint all over the earth, every saint should read the first two chapters of the book, Lessons on Prayer. To learn or to be refreshed what prayer is. It originates with the Lord. It's transmitted into us. And we echo it back to him. We need to pray according to God's will. According to his feeling. But if we approach a request for prayer. Like one. Pray that the saints. When they prophesy on the Lord's Day morning. Will fulfill all the requirements of good prophecy. Then what do we do with that? Compose a prayer from the mind. What will that accomplish? Is that a golden bowl? Would the Lord add incense to it? No. Does that a prayer originate with the Lord? Well, when I read that particular uh, statement, I had this realization. In order for the saints to be able to prophesy in that way, they need to be perfected by the prophets given to the body as revealed in Ephesians 4. The Lord will not simply directly answer those prayers and suddenly everyone has vision, has utterance, has anointing. It's not going to happen. But the Lord realizes there's this concern about prophesying. This is, this is good. The brothers are aware of this. Lord, we pray. Then I would pray, Lord, because I know this is on his heart. Perfect all the dear saints. Lord, fulfill Ephesians 4. We cannot have the God-ordained way unless the saints are perfected by the gifts. And so the answer to that prayer involves much more than simply asking for something. But if someone wants to be faithful and say, oh, this is the request today, Lord, I pray for the saints that they will all be inspired this Lord's day. Do you think the Lord is going to hear that? He knows a good feeling. There is just, I cannot put into words the burden that is increasing in me till it's almost unbearable 
that the Lord will uplift and perfect the prayer ministry of the church all over the earth. And another book that many of us need to read is a basic book, The Meaning and Purpose of Prayer. What if there was a universal training on Zoom? Everybody, everyone 18 and over is in this training. So we begin with a question, and everyone needs to answer and put it on the screen. What is the meaning of prayer? Question two, what is the purpose of prayer? So I'm thankful for this question, that it gave me the opportunity to sound off, to to bring into our fellowship this. And like I said in the beginning, This is just Brother Ron, your brother, a member of the body, sharing something in his heart. This is not official declaration from the throne. This is simply fellowship, okay? And I'm taking a risk. I'm trusting it with you. And whatever you want to do with it, that's between you and the Lord. All right, dear Brother Ron. The Bible says that all authorities are from God. In these latter days, in many countries, the authorities have been pursuing policies and issuing decrees that do not correspond to the word and desire of the Lord. How to explain this? Thank you. A good question. This didn't, this shouldn't require too much time. Uh, The response is based upon Romans 13. Paul is writing to the saints in Rome, actually to the church there. And as far as I know, Nero is on the throne. It might be a previous one before he was assassinated. And he made very clear that this governmental authority is from God. And it has authority. We need to Be obedient. We need to be submissive. That is a principle. But do you think, this is a kind of um, drastic illustration. Do you think that all those who were guards in Nazi concentration camps will be able to say to the Lord, we were just obeying orders. And killing all these people and burning their bodies. We were just obeying. That's what the Bible says. Do you think so? Because there's another side to this. And that is when an earthly authority demands something from us that we cannot do because it's contrary to God and his will. Two or three things need to happen. First, we make it clear we cannot do that. I have to obey God. So here's what actually happened in the first century. The government requires you must go to a certain place where there's an idol 
and just offer a little incense and say these words, Kaisar Kurios, Caesar is Lord. And they could not say it. They would not say it. Jesus is Lord. We cannot worship Caesar. We worship God. But then the saints need to realize, now I'm under authority. Let them do what they want to do. I'm ready to accept whatever limitation they put. You want to find me? You want to put me in prison? And many were martyred. And a historic illustration from the USA is with Martin Luther King, an African-American minister, a leader of the civil rights movement. And what was his policy? These laws are unrighteous. They are evil. We cannot obey these laws. And we will not obey them. But we're not rebelling. We're not fighting against the government. If you want to put us in prison, you put us in prison. And he wrote a letter from the Birmingham jail. So we need to see these two sides. Because this will climax during the Great Tribulation. The majority of the believers will be, will have to go through that tribulation. And there will be two demands taking place simultaneously. Satan, through the Antichrist, and by the speaking of the prophet, the, pre, you know, the, the, the other evil one. You must worship this person. You must. And you must have a mark on your forehead or on your name. If not, you will die. At the same time, an angel is preaching, not the gospel of grace, but the gospel telling everyone on the earth, worship God. You must worship God and take his name or you will be killed. And so we just need to be clear that I do know one situation. Uh, he has to be fully covered. I wouldn't give any hint as to who he is or where he is. But it's very likely he will be martyred. It's very likely in his situation. And he's not some kind of hero, but he's ready. He's ready. According to the word to Smyrna, be faithful unto death. I don't think that will be laid on very many of us. We're all hoping, aren't we, to be raptured as the first fruits to get out of here before that. Okay.
Another question, how do we, how to relate to the word of the Lord in Matthew 10, 21, 34 through 36, with his promise that everyone born in our house will be saved. And the second part, this is not a challenge. Okay, I don't do that. Can you please send me the verse that says, God promises that every member of your household will be saved. I don't know one, but if you can find one, let me know. Verses that speak of household salvation are saying that God's way is to save the whole household. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, let's say there are eight children born of Christian parents, that every one of them will be saved. They may or may not. But now back to the verses. Matthew 10, 21. And brother will deliver a brother to death. And father his child. And children will rise up against their parents and put them to death. Then to verse 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set men at variance, a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his household. But I want to continue reading. He who loves father or mother above me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter above me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his soul life shall lose it. And he who loses his soul life for my sake shall find it. These verses are in the context of the kingdom, of the kingdom of the heavens. And when the Lord came to incarnation to bring the kingdom to the earth, warfare began between the two kingdoms. Between the two kingdoms on the earth. And the enemy will use members of human families to oppose and persecute those who, who become believers in Christ and live a kingdom life. The enemy will use the natural life, the natural love and affection. He will use them. And inject his anger and hatred into them. So that they will do what these verses say. Even to members of their family. And then the Lord himself said. He did not come. To tell everyone. Let's, 
let's just all be kind and peaceful. Everything is okay. Just be polite. Every, I came to bring this kind of peace. There's been satanic teachings about peace for centuries. People are blabbing about it now. No righteousness, no God, no king, no authority. But they want some kind of so-called peace. But because the Lord came to bring the kingdom to the earth, the name of God to be sanctified on the earth, the will of God to be done on the earth, this will issue in this kind of discord. Even in families. And we have seen this countless times of someone from, a, say, a Muslim family or an Orthodox Jewish family who got saved. The families say, you are no longer a member. We consider you dead. In some places, they killed them. This is still ha happening on the earth. Kill a daughter, kill a son. Why? Because you violated the true religion, Islam. And then on another level, do you know where the main resistance for young brothers and sisters to come to the full-time training comes from? Do you know? Do you think it comes from the world? Attacking somebody? Don't go to an FTT anywhere. It comes from within families. Christian families. Church life families. Again and again, it probably will not stop. I don't know how those parents will answer to the Lord on that day. I don't know. To say, no, you can't go. You can't go. We paid for your education. Now you need to, to get a job. If you go there, it'll damage your career. And then some, eventually they allow their son and daughter to go. And then after they graduate, they say, Mom, Dad, I have the burden to serve full time for a while. And it's very rare when some say, praise the Lord. Nothing is more honorable than joyful to us than to hear this. You just follow the Lord wherever he leads you. Some uh, engagements were broken up because the father said, you can't marry someone who's serving full time. You won't have a, a high level living. And she obeyed the father. Father, I don't want to overstate this, but it's right here. 
in our front yard. And you've got that word. And sometimes in a message, I was responsible to the Lord to ask this based upon these verses. I know what it is to have all kinds of feelings for my two sons and daughter. I know what it is. In the last few months, my younger son, only 47, almost lost his life to very aggressive cancer and had an operation there. Then he realized it could spread in a certain way. Then he had a very extensive operation to remove 28 lymph nodes close to that area where the cancer was. Day and night, I'm grieving, I'm suffering. And at the same time, other members of the family are going through devastating situations. I know what it's like, but I remember what my daughter once told me about 20 years ago. Dad, Dad, please stop trying to protect me from what the Lord may have for me. I need to follow him. What about the Lord's word? So the question was, do you love your father or mother more than the Lord Jesus? Do you love your son or daughter more than the Lord Jesus? For 24 years in my life, humanly speaking, that's quite a lengthy period of time. I've been praying for this younger son. And eventually I had to realize, Lord, he is from you. He is yours. You do what's on your heart. Many are called, few are chosen. If he's not among the chosen, who am I to say that I want my son to be superior over others? All that has been swept away by the cross. But I'm a dad, a God-man dad, and a God-man grandpa. But this is very real to me. I can say before you all, and I can say before the throne of God and to all the angels, and I can say in the presence of the enemy and the evil powers, I love the Lord Jesus more than any other person and more than my soul life. You are my first love. Why? Because you love me. I can love you. I know what it's, what it costs. I know what many of you have suffered that are hearing this. And that is why I give such a substantial response to that 
question. Because on the one hand, we should pray on the basis of the principle of household salvation. You pray until the end of someone's life. Save this one. Save this one at least. It's a great thing to be saved. Even in the last half hour of one's life. It's a great thing. But at the same time. For the kingdom's sake. We need to learn from Matthew. Matthew is the weightiest. Book in the entire New Testament. And we have to say amen. To all that's in the gospel of Matthew. Then. We can absorb all that's in the gospel of John. Now we have the provision. Because the steps are these. The Lord gives a command. And we just say, Amen. This is your word. I say, Amen. Step two, Lord. I can't do this. I can't be this. Step three. I know. Let me do it. Let me be it in you. Okay. Another question. Saints, in what case can a house, which is open for meetings and the Lord's table, be closed by the church? I look forward to hear from you. Uh, as from the Lord, okay? If it's from the Lord, it will be indirect in the way I tried to tell you. Okay. Uh, in, the gov- in the church, there's an administration and there is government. And that administration is carried out by the elders or the genuine, proper, leading brothers. And the Lord's table is a church matter. Having the Lord's table, I say again, is a matter under the governmental arrangement of the church. And we received several questions, many of us, from saints who are asking, you know, we're all confined to our house. Can we have the Lord's table in our house. And I had to tell them, after having fellowship with the Lord and with other co-workers like my dear brother Ed Marks, I tell them that the family unit is not the, is not the unit for the Lord's table. It is the church that determines how when and where the Lord's table meeting will be held. And so if someone says, we have some in our home, others are living with us, certain ones are nearby, saints, they're vaccinated, we want to have the Lord's table here. It's not up to you. And if you disregard the direction of the church, You are violating God's government. And this is 
a serious matter. Simply, when it comes down to it, simply obey the leading brothers, the direction of the church. In Acts 4, sorry, Acts 2, we're told that others that were saved continued in the apostles' teaching and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and prayer. And the breaking of bread and prayer are not apostolic matters. They are church matters. So simply put, do what the church directs you to do. If you are having a Lord's Table meeting, and up until now you had it, in a sense, unaware of all this, then you simply say, brothers, we will we'll honor this. We will stop. We will just have a meeting to try to contact the Lord and maybe to, to pray to the Father. That's fine. But what, and so I'm in Anaheim. So many saints I haven't seen for 16 months. Hope I recognize them. We recognize each other. Okay. I just long to be with them in, in the meeting hall. But that's up to the leading brothers. And so when they have the leading from the Lord according to the outward situation, then we just say a simple amen. So sister, learn to be able to say simple amens in the midst of situations that you don't fully understand or agree with. In the, in the fellowship of nearby churches, there has developed an atmosphere of secret, quote, accidental communication and contact with a person who violates the aspects of faith regarding the person of Christ and attempts to spread this through contacts with local saints. The sister sees and comes into contact with the saints who are exposed to such contact. Can fellowship with brothers and revealing the details of this situation be viewed as caring for the body? Yes, it is. This is heresy. Read Second John. If someone denies that Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is the Christ, don't let him come in your house. And don't say, have a good day. Nothing to do. And so what should prevail here? Remain covered and hidden? Or concern for the body? Concern for the body. That kind of covering is not love covering a multitude of sins. Love covers all. That is a natural feeling, being nice in a very dangerous situation. That we have the common faith, if someone comes and tries to teach contrary to the truth that Jesus is the Son of God, read First John. That is Antichrist. That is the spirit of Antichrist. You are dealing with the spirit of Antichrist here. 
And so, what are the limits of the sister's involvement in revealing all this? Bring everything you know to the leading brothers. They will cover you. They will seek the Lord. They will seek fellowship. And they will take care of this. If for some reason, the brothers are not taking the action that seems to be needed, then as the Lord leads and in a proper spirit, you bring this to fellowship with some of the co-workers. So the questioner is here, a Russian speaker. You may have to contact some of the brothers in Moscow. You're not accusing the brothers in your locality, but this is a serious matter. How can a sister stay in her proper position and take care of the body? You do it by honoring Christ as the head, by submitting to his arrangement in the body. And then as a member of the body, you can pray, you can prophesy, and you can have genuine fellowship. Sisters often have a keener discernment than brothers. They are aware of something. They pray about it. And it's a great help. I've been personally helped often by sisters just sharing their realization. And they just hand it over. They've done their part. And we covered them. Okay, the next question is this. Please tell if we can pray for healing and protection from disease in this difficult time. Yes, yes. Amen and amen again. I'm thinking of a verse in Philippians 4 where Paul said, don't be anxious, but make all your requests known to God. So even last night in my time, it was morning for another sister's time, my wife and I and this sister uh, we have prayer meetings together twice a week. And, and we are, we're, we're a little vital group in prayer. Praying as the Lord leads. And then we have very specific prayer about the virus. About the situation. Oh, in, uh, in India. In Indonesia. And all the saints who are sick. To protect them. May none pass away before their time. And we pray to be protected. And we pray to be healed. And so, on the one hand, our elevated prayers are, Lord, your kingdom come, your name be sanctified, your will be done on the earth. Lord, consummate the divine economy. But then Paul says, make your requests known. And let's suppose something similar like this happened when my daughter was little, but something like this. Suppose a a little girl, six years old, my daughter comes to me and says, Daddy, Daddy, can I have a pony? Can I have a pony? And I say, dear, uh, we live in a big city and we cannot have a pony in our backyard. How about I get you a bunny rabbit? Yes. Yes, a bunny rabbit. But when she said, Daddy, can I have a pony? 
I don't say, daughter, why don't you care for the desire of your father's heart concerning the purpose, concerning this family and our, and our future? And what is my will and intention in guiding this family? No, I'm, a, I'm the dad. I'm the father. I'm so glad you would ask for a pony. And so you're not asking for a pony. Ask the father. Not just the Lord Jesus. Ask the father. The father is the one giving you your daily supply. Ask him to protect you. Ask him to heal you. And then ask him for all the saints all over their recovery. Okay. Another question. Have been have a question touching verses is James 5, 19 and 20. Quote, if anyone among you is led astray from the truth and someone turns back, let him know that he who turns a sinner back from the error of his way will save that one's soul from death. Question, how to pray over a particular sinner so that we ourselves can stay in the touch of the throne during our prayer. This wrestling, the wrestling in Ephesians 6 is probably dealing directly with the enemy. Yes. And in interest of God. Yes. But when personal relationships are involved, it is very easy to fall from the heavenlies and pray in the flesh from the earth. Should we just forget about this sinner and say his and see his, the Lord's kingdom? A very thoughtful question. And uh, there's a portion in First John that would be very helpful to this. And I'd like to read the verse and comment on it, then maybe briefly come back to the question. First uh, John 5. 16 and 17. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin, not unto death, he shall ask, and he will give life to him, to those sinning not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he should make requests concerning that. All, all unrighteousness is sin. And there is sin not unto death. And so the question is. That how do we pray over a particular sinner? You pray like this. You are aware. You okay? You are aware of this. So this awareness makes you somewhat responsible. Okay. And so the main responsibility is to pray according to God. And it's good. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to pray. That's good to say, Lord. I'm aware of brother so-and-so's situation. And I am concerned. And I have some feeling I should pray 
for him or her. Lord, lead me to pray. Now, one has to be very mature in experience before he or she can determine whether that sin is unto death or not. So we shouldn't get in our mind and try to figure this out. Rather, we may want to begin the prayer this way, Lord, have mercy on this one. Have mercy. And I'm aware of what what this one is doing. And love covers a multitude of sins. So I will not gossip. I will not talk about. I bring this to you. And I ask that your will would be done. In. This matter. Now. Then the Lord may lead you to pray, Lord, recover him, shepherd him, minister life to him. And there's another verse also in 1 John. I'm looking for it now for some reason. I can't find it. It's in 1 John 5. Uh, Let me see if I can find it. Okay, here it is. And this is the boldness which we have toward him, the Lord. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. Then, in the light of this, if we see a brother sending a sin, then we first would pray, Lord, what is your will concerning this? What is your intention? How are you praying? So the the key thing is that your request is according to God's will. If you have the sense that his will is to recover him, then you pray that. If you don't have that peace, you can't pray. But you pray for God's will to be done in this situation. Then how do we know that we have done this? This is precious. And many of us are learning this. And and if we know that he hears us, so we can know, Lord, you... You are hearing this. You're listening. Thank you, Lord. If we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. And then this leads us to, then how do we pray if we see a brother sending a sin? Okay, our prayer is concerning God's will in this situation. If we have the sense the Lord wants to preserve him in mercy, then we pray that 
life will be given. Give life to this person. The lack of life is the cause of this failure. But if you cannot pray for that, you're just restricted within, then you just leave that to the Lord. And uh, it's rather rare that someone actually has a sin unto death. But I'm aware of one situation in a certain country several years ago. And I got to know this brother. Then I learned a few years later that he he left his dear wife and family. And uh, began to live with a much younger woman. And then there was this deep, deep troubling concern. And he died. That was a sin unto death. Moses' sin was unto death. The Roman Catholic Church has a list of what they call sins unto death. You can, you'll be lost forever. There's no such list. It's what the standing of a person is before the Lord. And what the Lord determines. And so Moses rebelled at one time, misrepresented God, and he was 120 years old, didn't have trifocals like mine, glasses that are symbols of the triune God. No, he didn't have those. He didn't have any diseases, didn't take any medicine like I do. It's full of strength. He died at the word of the Lord. Remember in Deuteronomy 2, he said, Lord, please just let me go into the good land. Just let me go and see it. And the Lord was angry. He said, don't talk to me about this again. Go up on the mountain, take a look, and then that's it. Okay. Another one. I am usually feeling anxious about whether I will be ready to meet the Lord. What can I do about this anxiety? Again, uh, Ephesians 4. In everything, do not be anxious, but let your request be made known to him. And so I suggest something like this. You come to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be ready to meet you. I want to be among the first fruits. I don't want to pass through the great tribulation and be in the harvest. This is such a sweet, endearing request. But Lord, I'm so worried about it. I'm so anxious about it. Well, the Lord knows you're anxious. And he's not going to rebuke you in saying, stop being anxious. He will be the God of peace to you. He will be the God of peace guarding your heart and your thoughts. Mentioned in that same chapter. And he will just give you peace. And even more. He will infuse more faith into you. And even more, it will cause you to enjoy Christ dwelling in you as the hope of glory. This matter 
of being raptured uh, before the tribulation. It's not a matter of faith. It's a matter of hope. Faith is related to things in the past that have been accomplished already. But we have Christ as our hope. And let the indwelling Christ, the hope of glory, just let him dwell in you. Enjoy him. Love him. Don't try to suppress your anxiety. Don't condemn yourself for it. Just say, Lord, oops, here I go. I'm worrying again, but I'm coming back again. You are my hope. You are my glory. I pray to be among those raptured. Then the Lord might give you a little nudge and say, uh, good. Why not pray about your spouse, your children, all the saints in your locality? How about praying for all the saints in the recovery? And how to overcome in our situations by praising the Lord? Well, there are no methods. And we can't make praising the Lord a method. I shared something about fighting by praising the Lord, based upon the scripture that was a reference there. But we don't have like a technique that I'm in a situation and I will overcome it by praising the Lord. I'm not saying you shouldn't try to praise the Lord. But rather, you bring the situation to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. I need your grace. I need your supply. And after you open your heart and pray along this line, then you may say, thank you, Lord. Lord, now I can praise you. Now I can say hallelujah, Lord. Then the praise is genuine. As a single sister, just beginning marriage fellowship with a brother, if I have a very strong emotion, emotions towards the brother, does that mean that I am in my natural man? How should I pray or how can I practice to take this strong feeling and desire to be with the brother to the Lord first? Well, I'm sure glad that you have strong, positive feelings toward a brother that you might marry. Uh, That's a sign that at least uh, this is a possibility. And... uh, well, we may say, yes, it's, it's, it's natural, but I'd rather you say the word, it's human. You should be attracted to the person. There should be a longing to want to be with the person. And it's only toward that one person, nobody else, no other brother exists or sister exists in the universe, only this one. And now your feelings are really strong. And so it's so clear already, sister, that you want to honor the Lord. The Lord knows your emotions. And you say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I have such feelings for this brother. And I just hope and I want to marry this brother. But Lord, there's something higher than that. That is your will, your intention. So I bring this to you. And then you may find, as you bring it to him, Maybe the emotions are subdued just a little bit so the spirit can be prevailing. 
And then the Lord guides the courtship. And you have such open fellowship. You can talk together, pray together, sing together, laugh together. And you find out next time you're going to say, oh, I don't just have emotions. I love him. And then you come back to the Lord and say, Lord, the more I love him, the more I love you. And Lord, the more I love you, the more I love him. And then I'm old fashioned. I think men should be men and take the first step. And he should be saying this to the Lord and just say, sister, here you are having a meal. He hasn't said it yet. He said, I love you. I don't, I don't just have feelings. I love you. And I want to marry you. I'm not quite proposing yet, but I want you to know where I am. Okay? I want you to be the first to know. I love you. I believe our relationship is from the Lord. And I really want to marry you. And of course, uh, I think this sister would give quite a delightful response. Question, I am not a very spiritual or big sister. I love the saints around me and for most of the times. I do enjoy the meetings, Bible readings, etc. But I cannot say I am absolute for the Lord. What am I afraid? What I am afraid of is that I may not match the very spiritual brother who was absolute for the Lord, and that I will become a weakness spot for him, and Satan might use this to attack us. What should we do? Sister, you're very thoughtful and honest. Okay, let's be clear about something. There's only one person who ever lived on the earth who was absolute for God. And that is our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way any of us can be absolute and live a life of absoluteness is to lay our hands, spiritually speaking, on the head of Christ as our burnt offering and be one with the absoluteness itself. And Christ becomes our absoluteness. So this you can practice personally, but also bring this concern into the fellowship with this brother. And this will be, in a sense, a test for both of you. You are walking in the light. You say, I'm concerned that I can't match you uh, in this absoluteness. Then, and that is a test of your sincerity, your transparency. It's also a test for him, from God, not from you. And you may be surprised to say, oh, dear so-and-so, let me share a few things with you. You are more absolute than you realize. And I want you to know, I'm not looking for Another Madame Guyon. I'm looking for a God woman. Okay. Who's human. And I'm learning. We're both vessels. You're the weaker vessel. 
I am the weak, you are the er. The only difference is one little syllable, er, er. And I honor the weak er vessel. And so don't try to be a heroine. Just be what you are. This is from the Lord. He will love you so much more after that fellowship. And you will love him more and you will be so relieved. And you'll go back home and you'll be leaping and skipping and shouting praises to the Lord. Uh, Maybe with some sisters in your dwelling place. I hope I'm not wrong. I I think some sisters, once in a while, they still do this. Brothers have their own way of celebrating. Okay, my name is Sister So-and-So. I am 57. My husband is 66. We are married for one year. And we are of different nationalities. We live in the countryside, 75 miles from my, my local church. Okay, to save time, I won't read the whole question. But he's been new in the church, but is enjoying things so far. And But they're in a locality where there's not a church, and she would like to move to a place uh, not real, real far away, but some distance. And he wants to stay where he is. Uh, he doesn't want to be leave where his family is. Then uh, what should she do? Well, I, I respond in principle. Uh, and two things. I'm not saying in this order, but in two things. One is, you just need to share with him your desire that, that sometime, in some way, you can be where a church is. To live the church life together. I know that you will really like this. And there's not one here. And that would mean that we would probably have to relocate to some place not too far away. And I realize that, you know, it's hard for you to leave your family, whatever, then let him talk. And then pray. And pray with some sisters that the Lord will do what he wills concerning this and gain ground in the brother. He's the God of the spirits of all flesh who put in his heart the desire to do this, that uh, I once had a similar experience where the wife, in this case, just simply could not make this particular move. It could have literally taken her life. And I had to wait. I had to tell Brother Lee I had to wait. But the Lord did his work. And our house was being sold by the city for runway expansion. And I said, where should we, where do you want to be? She said, well, how about moving to so-and-so place? Sister, do it that way. Don't try to twist his arm. Don't try to convince him. Uh, you're going to find out, you've been finding out, men are men. And we think maybe uh, the women are mysterious. Then maybe so, then we are certainly virtually 
unknowable also. And so this is a two-way street. So just don't try to work this out yourself. Pray. How to pray and how to practicality behavior of sisters dominate the life of the local church and local brothers are their husbands, dependent on sisters, their wives. This dependence is manifested in everything. What is needed here? Prayer, patience, waiting, how to behave when we see and do not know what to do. Oh, this is a hard one. This is a hard one. Just continue living as a sister, as a female. Don't become a man. And uh, if you realize certain things, uh, need the leading of the brothers, the decision of the brothers, and the matter comes up and you say, it's up to you. I'm, we're not making the decision. This is up to you. And then in addition to praying, there may be a time when you need to reach out to the co-workers and ask for their fellowship. The Lord may lead them to come to where you are. And spend some time with the brothers in a shepherding way. The supply is in the body. Okay, uh, four more questions. I think we can do it. I would like to hear a response to the question in our church that formed during the pandemic. The brothers did not accept the current arrangement of the Lord. They isolated themselves from the fellowship of the body through Zoom. Returned to the living Lord's table meeting, although one brother disagrees. There was a division among the brothers and saints. who suffered greatly in this situation. Some of the saints followed the Lord, his current up-to-date speaking. Thanks. Uh, I have to be careful, but I also have to be honest. Uh, These brothers are very immature. And they do not know really how to lead at all. And they have no awareness of the body. And they just go by their own feeling. If they would just consider what has been the practice throughout the earth and what experienced leading brothers have done, they would be enlightened. But they decide to have a live meeting and you cannot make them stop. Then you do. Again, what you have the life and peace to do. And once again, I would bring this matter to the co-workers. This is a body matter. The co-workers care for churches in this kind of situation. Don't hesitate. Just lay it before them. And you don't have to 
give them any advice or opinion about what to do, just give it to them. These brothers really know how to care for matters like this. You need the body. Another question. Now I face the temptation of dating and social network and cannot resist. I break three times and so keenly I feel loneliness and constantly falling into temptation. I ask the Lord to cover me by a brother. I ask the Lord, why is it so with me? Lord stops me by his mercy. How to pray to keep my vessel for him. I'm a little over 60. I was at the training not so long ago. I stumble when I see sisters in marriage. And I have been alone since I was 37 years old. Many years ago, after a time in Moscow, I was asked to visit the the church in Warsaw, Poland. And prior to that visit, the brother sent me an email saying, the ratio of unmarried sisters and brothers in Poland is 20 sisters to one brother. We have so many sisters that want to be married. Would you have a meeting with them? I couldn't say no. But I would find it easier to preach the gospel to penguins in South Antarctica than to do that. But I did with some understanding of what they're going through. I didn't just give them religious things, try to enter into their heart. Then while I was speaking, one sister among them, maybe about 39, 41, came in, obviously very strong, interrupted the meeting, stopped the meeting, rebuked me openly, said, she's done with all of this. She has prayed all the prayers she's going to pray, shed all the tears she wants to shed. She says, I'm going online, and I'm going to show myself and make myself available. I'm going to get married, and I will have children. And then I learned in that meeting that one other sister had done that. She put herself online. One man responded. She married him. He he is a Muslim. Now she has a husband. She has a child and no church life. So this is a very, very risky thing to go on social media and to look for this. But, I'm not playing with words, I have to say a but. Because I know of a situation of an unmarried 30-something brother, the daughter of a co-worker, was on some kind of Christian, you know, dating line and had contact with a brother in another country who was a believer. 
And she brought this to her father. And there was just a mysterious sense of peace. And they got married and he came where she was and he's in the recovery. And so I cannot impose upon the saints and say, by no means can you ever do it. But please don't give yourself away, dear sister. But I'm going to say now, will probably not be very comforting, but it's still true. An older single sister may feel the worst thing in the life of a Christian sister is not being married. That's the worst thing. But now I'm clear and I've learned this from sisters. There is one thing worse than that, and that is a terrible marriage. And I know of one situation. The sister married the brother. No reason not to marry him. But through the years, it's just utterly unbearable. And she would never be unfaithful and never leave. But if you asked her again, would you marry this person? She would say, never. So please don't give yourself away. Pray with your companions that the Lord will give you a husband. And also pray for this man from somewhere on the earth. For there is a brother my age. Who needs a counterpart. Lord just out of love for us. And for our going on. As Christians in the church life. Bring us together. I believe according to God's sovereignty. I am in another country. And in a city where there is no church life. But we read the ministry with my relatives and the Lord gave one more couple now while we are gathering in zoom I have the opportunity to be at the Lord's table but practically I can only come once a month how do I understand in which direction to move well the the order is Christ the church and then everything else So the priority should be any meeting of the church, any activity of the church. That should be first. There's not a church where you are, but you are a living member of the body. And you still long for church life. So that should be first. Then continue meeting with the others for their mutual benefit at other times. Ron, we live in a small town in Lithuania. We have no church life since there are no brothers. We are only two or three sisters. And we have been praying for brothers for a long time. And about a year ago, we preached the gospel and met a brother from a denomination. We are very joyful. He knows four languages, Russian, Lithuanian, English, and Norwegian. 
He's a philologist. He was open. He even went to Vilnius to fellowship with our only brother in the church in Vilnius. And his brother rejected him. Although we do not know, we are not a sect. Although we know that we are not a sect and we accept everyone. But he does not reckon with us sisters. He only scolds if we do something without him. But he decides everything alone. And he does not coordinate with us. He says, who are you? But we still live in another city. We do not have a church. We need brothers. And if he does not need brothers, he likes to be alone. And why does he oppose us? Doesn't want to take care of the body at all or cannot. What should we do? We need to be careful not to just recklessly just talk about this. There's a lot involved here. I'm a, to say the obvious, I'm a brother in Anaheim. I have nothing to say to sisters in another locality. Why? Because I'm a brother? What does that make me? Brothers are not superior to sisters. We just have different functions, a different standing. But <laughs> there's there's no church there. There uh, are no brothers there. And you're praying for brothers. What more can you do? Uh, now, sister, since you had this experience, uh, the Lord allowed this to happen. So there's something for you to learn, okay? This is not an accident. This is something for you to learn. Well, learn what, okay? How are you inwardly responding to this? Is your response from your spirit? Is it according to God? Uh, How are you talking about this? And so you need to come to the Lord with your feelings. Because the Lord wants to at least grow in you and gain you. And yes, you may be correct in your spiritual understanding about the brother's behavior. But it's very risky to move over to a judgmental spirit. Then we break this kingdom rule, you know, law. Do not judge lest you be judged. You're clearly aware of the situation. And uh, you know what the brother said. So you're not a statue. You're full of feelings. You don't have to suppress them. But this is an opportunity for the Lord to gain ground in you. To come personally and corporately just as you are. And to let everything be brought into the light. And let the Lord come and show, oh, this is the flesh. This is the self. This is your soul life. This is your natural strength. I want to make my home in you. I want you to grow in life. So at least there can be this kind of benefit that comes out of it. And then once again, as I'm drawing this time on my end to a close, because this was the last question. We have about two or three minutes left. Once again, I would seek fellowship 
with co-workers. You're not limited to Lithuania. You should once again consider seeking fellowship with the experienced co-workers in Russia. You just open to them the situation. And once again, you don't express an opinion what should be done. Don't overstep and try to tell the brothers what they should do. They will find out in the Lord what they should do, if anything. But the best I can say to finish this off is that you want to have a church life. Of course you do. And there needs to be brothers. That is for certain. And what else can you do but pray? But maybe I I would add this P.S. Just be watchful and careful about doing a work on your own that might open the way for something not really productive in the long run to be brought in. That if the Lord is to bring one or two brothers in your midst, uh, they need to be sanctified brothers. They need to be pure. They need to know how to be properly with, with sisters in a meeting like this. And you don't want the enemy to use your desire to have brothers to bring in uh, men brothers that at first might be a blessing, but that may or may not be turned out. We're not suspicious. We're just watchful. Okay, that completes it on my end. I ask the Lord to come me to enlighten me about all that I said. But overall, I feel quite peaceful. I sincerely believe that I just responded to the questions the best I could right now. And I just had to trust this with you. Again, I would say this again and again. Please recognize this is a brother's fellowship. This is not an official word from the work. This is not a declaration from the throne. This is simply fellowship. You ask the questions. I respond. You have the discernment. You're not spiritual little girls. Many of you are quite mature in life. Whatever is beneficial to you, you may want to apply as the Lord leads Whatever is not, forget about it, delete it, throw away the notes, whatever you want to do. What I appreciate is just the fellowship itself. Okay? Amen. So this ends my visit to your part of the earth for the time being. Amen. Lord knows when I can see you in person. I'm going to hope a little bit. That 2022 will be a year. We'll see. Okay?